Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Agostinelli, and as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the good folks at the Davis Companies, www.davisco's.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Davis specializes in the placement of IT, engineering, and manufacturing talent. So um, with the current labor shortage, give these folks a shout. They know how to recruit. And by these folks, I mean myself, because I work there. Ha ha. Ah, today's guest. Mr. Nick de Blasi, um, awesome story. Criminal justice major seeking stability to um, risk tolerance sales rep who, who's now moved into sales enablement. We talk about a ton of things, including uh, some great lessons along the way about mentorship, which is a constant theme on beers and careers, but also finding who you are and testing yourself and honing your drive and the importance of that in really owning your career. Um, Nick gets vulnerable, vulnerable with us and really shares his story. And it's just a, um, it's a really fun podcast. He's one of those guests that we could have probably talked for for about two hours. So, um, without further ado, check it out and let me know what you think. I've, but yeah, I'm going to pour this while we do it. Um, Mr. Nick de Blasi, thanks for coming on beers and careers, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, uh, I know I, I twisted your arm and, and talked you into a bourbon today but yeah uh, what is i should talk into the mic what is your favorite cocktail my favorite cocktail as of late is uh what's called a naked and famous so oh, never heard of it it's mezcal equal parts mezcal okay. aperol chartreuse and lime juice shaken and then poured over a single cube like this now what is chartreuse chartreuse is a flower um liqueur basically made from a bunch of different flowers so, flower or, liqueur or okay. herbal liqueur okay. i believe that's made from a bunch of different flowers but the funny thing is is that i had it one night when i was out in boston and i was trying something new because i love tequila yes and i like smoky tequila okay and so one of the uh, bartenders was like hey you gotta try this drink i'm gonna make you something new great he sends it over i'm like what is this he goes Call it naked and famous. I go, you're kidding me. Like, <laughs> right. This is a real drink. He's like, it absolutely right. is a real drink. And so now that's kind of my go-to that or a dirty martini. Oh, I love that. I love that. Do you have a preference on vodka? Are you like kettle one usually? Yeah, actually, I'm a kettle. A little extra dirty. A little blue, extra dirty. Blue cheese stuffed olive. Yeah, I don't opt for the blue cheese, okay. but I like traditional, I think, yeah. in that manner. Um, but yeah, I, I, these are things I just started drinking recently, which is so oh, cool because I was yeah, a yeah. vodka guy for a while. For a while, when I could drink legally. Yes. Um, and now I'm about to get away. Cheers. And Elijah Craig, on a Wednesday here. Thanks for coming on. Now, real quick, will you introduce yourself and your current job, and then we'll then we'll go back to some rapid fires and rewind a little. Perfect. You currently today your role at ServiceNow is? It's the senior manager for digital go-to-market enablement. Um, Specifically, I actually support what's called the career progression programs. So my sole job is to help our folks internally get promoted to the next role. Mm -hmm. And you've been at ServiceNow for about over eight years. Coming up on eight. Coming up on eight years. And uh, Nick and I had the fantastic opportunity. We we met on a golf course, which kicked ass. Um, Won a tournament. I believe you may have had a... uh, low round of the of the year it was it was low yeah um i think low it was 73 yeah that was a good round that was a good round just trying to keep up with you hey but regardless uh what a great place to meet someone i you know we both have a shared passion for golf but what was cool was i think you said you went to college for criminal justice 
I did. And yeah. then I was like, dude, I have a podcast. You're going to have to come on <laughs> because um, you are not in the criminal justice field anymore. And I think that the whole point of this podcast was sharing people's nonlinear career path. So I can't wait to explore it. And I don't know all of the decisions, which is my favorite other thing as I try not to talk a whole lot about it before we get on on this. So let's get into it. But before we move forward, a couple more things to let people know who you are. Are you into quotes? Um, I have a couple, yeah. I think yeah. there's some that I, I definitely tend to look at more than others. What Can you share any? Yeah, uh, one that I have is tough times don't last, tough people do. Mm. Um, that was something, and I forget who quoted that, but I know where it came from when I heard it, which was my AAU basketball coach. Okay. Um, Mr. Melillo was his name, so if he's ever listening to a podcast, I hope he sees this, but um, he drove the passion and the excellence, and he always reminded us when we were in a tough situation, a tough time, that, you know, this doesn't last long, but mm. if you're a tough person, you're resilient, you can get through it. Love so that. That's something I, I've always kind of leaned on. And then the other one was a Vince Lombardi quote, which is um, basically successful people aren't successful because of their strength or their skill set or their knowledge, but because of the will to learn. And I mm. think um, lacking in will is something that I see a lot, actually, when it, or where I work. Yes. And that's just the difference between people who are successful and who aren't. People that want to put the work in that are willing to go the extra mile are the ones who become more successful. It's so funny. This, this morning... I was reading a sales blog that I follow, and um, the person that puts out this blog also puts out a, a tool for assessing salespeople. And the difference between the uh, top 10% and the bottom 10% in the commitment category, which I think when I heard will, I thought of commitment, the difference was 625%. Wow. That is... The top 10% has 625% more commitment in their skill set, like when you assess them objectively, which I thought was... Uh, Makes a lot of sense. It's like you can do things, but you gotta you gotta pull through. I love those quotes. Um, do you have a favorite curse word? I do. Can I say? Oh, it? you can say whatever you want on this thing. I mean, it's it's traditional one. It's it's, it's fuck. It's the f bomb. It's, it's amazing. The so that what is? Uh, I gotta get data on that because we've asked a lot of people. It's gotta be over eighty five percent. And first job. First job was. Uh, Post-college or just first job working, making money? I kind of, let's first job making money. Uh, I worked for my uncle's liquor store. I was in the redemption room moving broken glass. <laughs> no, how old? 14. Love that. Yeah, he Love was that. super, um, thank, I thank him because he gave me and let me make money um, for that whole summer. Mm. And uh, I don't know if I was the best worker, but I was family, so. Yeah, it's a good, hey. I did my best. We all got to learn somewhere. That's we right. all got to learn somewhere. And um, one more. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book. Hmm. Um, I think for me, my favorite book would be The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mark Manson. Yeah. Yes. So that was something I, I, I read not too long ago, maybe about four or five months ago. I reread it twice, but I just think okay. I, love, I love what that story and, and what that book represents. I think it's something that I try to remind myself of. Constantly. It's funny. Um... You're not the first person that's told me to read it. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read it, you know? And my, if I buy another book and put it on my bookshelf at home, I think my wife is going to have a conniption. She's like, when do you have time to read all these books? I was like, well, you need goals. Uh, but I will, I will add that to the list. I'll add it to the list. So, so growing up, did you always want to get into criminal justice? Like, were you trying to be a police officer, detective? Like, what was, like, what was the inspiration for that? My father um, had a very successful career. But his was also, I think, one that he didn't really um, think that he would have stayed in for as long as he did. And mm. so 
he had a really su successful job and he had gotten a pension. And I think it was really nice to see the type of lifestyle he was living before I was going to college because he's like, if you have a pension and you have something that you can fall back on, that's great for you and for your longevity. Stability. Stability, yeah. yeah. And so for me... Was he a teacher? He wasn't. He actually worked for Verizon. Yeah, okay, cool. He was yeah, when pensions were a thing. Yeah. yeah, and for 32 years, he dedicated his life and his mm -hmm. time to that. And, um, you know, he's a great role model for someone who, who was loyal to a company for a very long time. For me, uh, government work was something that I was interested in and thought that, okay, if I can get a pension working for the government, I'm great with people, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, you know, I'm okay with building relationships. So police work is something that is part of the criminal justice, but I wanted to work for the government. I cool. For DEA, Secret Service. Yeah kick down people's doors. Yeah. That was like what I thought I wanted to do and was going to be doing. Okay. And so when did you end up with your uh, degree in that? I graduated in 2013. Okay. And so I went to uh, Westfield actually my yep. first year. And then I transitioned from Westfield over to Worcester State, which modeled their criminal law program at the time after Westfield, who modeled theirs after John Jay. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, uh, when did you realize, uh-uh, I don't want to do this? When I graduated, I got a job working at EMC, actually, with the security company that they hired. Yes. So it's yes. called Securitas. Yes. Um, and that was a great first gig for me. I think I was making not a lot of money, mm -hmm. um, but I loved getting paid every week, which yeah. was nice. They, oh paid, God, they yeah. paid weekly. And I just remember watching executives come through this door. I was at 176, which was a South Street. Yep. Yeah. Which is, you know, in Hopkinton. Right down the really, road from my house. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to say the word important, but there's a lot of people that had a really great run in, at EMC that came through that door. And oh, yeah. I got to meet a lot of interesting people who worked at 176. And then I got to understand that, hey, there's more to this life than trying to go for the government and mm. trying to work for this job that I keep getting stalled on because at the time, they were preferential to vets coming out of the war, yeah. and and I I was so supportive of that. It's kind of the catch twenty two, either you have experience and no degree, or you have a degree but you need experience. Right. So I stayed with it for as long as I could until I realized that hey, I think I'm going to try and jump into the business world. Very cool. So so you were really chasing stability. Yeah, I think you know, growing up the way that I saw my family, and and I come from you know a divorced family, quite candidly. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, my father had a really great representation of something I wanted to chase. Mm. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, I think that you try to emulate or model some people that you look up to. And my mother's a fantastic woman and she did a lot for us. But, you know, I saw the lifestyle my father was living and I said, hey, I, I want to, you know, chase that to mm -hmm. a degree. And yeah. whatever allows me to get there is hopefully something that I want to pursue and have passion about. It's, um, it's amazing how through doing this, you know, 60-whatever-plus episodes in now, it's amazing. And it, it I shouldn't say it's amazing, but I am still amazed at how often the role of uh, parents come up in, like, the way in which you started, and, but then also the changes along the way, too, because I'm, sure, I'm sure it sounds like you're still pretty tight with your family, and then you were like, uh, by the way, guys, this whole thing I went to school for, yeah, I'm taking a right-hand turn. Yeah, and I think... Um the beautiful thing that I loved about the way my parents sent, you know, my, my, both my parents didn't finish college. Mm -hmm. My mom went and then, um, she stopped. I think she might've gotten her associate's degree. My father was going to school, but then he transitioned out and me and my brother were the first ones to graduate in our family. And they told me that if I'm gonna go to school, 
I'm responsible for my own loans, mm-hmm. which in hindsight, I'm glad I went to a state school Yes, because the loans at the time weren't that bad. But, you know, even paying back X amount of dollars every month is something you have to learn to be responsible for. And, um, you know, whether I took a good, whether I got a job in that area or not, I was still, regardless of the end of the day, responsible for paying off that, that bill. And I think it's a great lesson to be learned if you're going to go do something and you really got to think twice about it. But mm-hmm. being 18, I wanted to play college sports. I went to sport, I, I played college basketball. And so that was at the time my big focus. Yes. I, um, but I, I'm, I bet you don't regret any of that chasing that. I do not. Right. Do you, do you find that like, I, you know, both of your, uh, quotes in the beginning were very I mean as a former college athlete has been myself um I just kind of it just kind of they both resonated like to the athlete in me um have you leaned a lot on your athletic experience as your career has gone on 100 percent. yeah I think um being involved in sports at an early age and seeing success at an early age was something I'm super grateful for Mm. the linearity between sports and the work I'm in it, it couldn't be more of a, like a, an equal when I see people coming out of work and into that, like people who have played sports and, and I don't mean to harp on just the sports thing because yeah. I know there's a lot of other things outside of sports, but there is such a parallel when it comes to those things, teamwork, individual contributions, responsibility, hard work, grit, drive. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that I was taught at an early age. And I think have really benefited me now. Mm. which I'm super fortunate for. That's very cool. And I do want to get into where you where you went after the EMC stint, but did you play multiple sports growing up, or were you just basketball? I did. I played uh, – I started off playing baseball. Okay. Went to Cooperstown as a kid. Oh, cool. Played in Cooperstown, yeah. represented Hudson, Mass. Oh, no way. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, we didn't do so well, but that's okay. We made a good effort. It, I bet you still remember it. 100%. How old do you think you were, 12? I was 12. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I met people from all over the world. We stayed yeah. in the barracks. We met a bunch of great people. We traded pins, yeah. and hats from all. I have pins on my hat from all over the world. And yeah, I think at an early age, you know, you want to be the best. And mm-hmm. it's so funny watching people now. When I go back, and I, I used to coach um, second, third, fourth grade, fifth grade basketball. Okay, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you more about that later. But um, yeah, baseball. Then I played. I fell in love with basketball when I was in middle school, and then. Uh, I played a little bit of golf. Oh, no way. In cool. high school. Very cool. I wasn't that good. Yeah, it's hard to pick up later. Right? But it kept me busy before basketball. Mm. My parents wanted me to be a two sport athlete. So yeah. it was important. I, it's interesting. I asked because uh, I have uh, younger boys and uh, first and third grade. And it's crazy how, I mean, I, I think we're about the same age. I'm a little older than you, but it's crazy how hard it is for kids to play multiple sports. And it makes me a little sad knowing that no one's going to the show and anything they're playing, basically. You know, for the most part, the whole point of playing youth sports is, like, becoming a contributing member of society. And it's like, man, we get these kids, like, locked in when in bouncing from sport to sport. You kind of got to relearn the team building. We're all in this together yeah. kind of thing. So I, that's what I find. Um, I find that people that played sports in about our generation, that millennial generation, uh, we were still kind of the last of the Mohegans that played multiple, but I digress. So you're at EMC, and then you you went right, like, you went to sales. I took a job at a company, so I had... I know them, too. I know all of these companies, which is the best. But. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I had a friend who knew someone who was in recruiting, 
And they said, okay. hey, I think you're a good candidate. Those recruiters, dude. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> tough. No, I, I, I actually, um, I'm thankful for those people because honestly, um, you know, it's a hard job to be in with, but they, this particular person helped me land a job with a company in Waltham. Yes. It was a GPS tracking company. Oh, okay. I don't know if I, I'm not going to say the name yeah, just yeah. because I, I feel like I, I only stayed there for six months. Okay. My job was to help schedule and complete the sale mm. of the GPS tracking for the fleets in different, on all places in the United States. So domestic of the United States and even in some places in Canada and Mexico. Okay. Stressful job cool. over the weekend Beca oh. because we had to make sure that, okay, the sale went through, you're scheduling GPS trackings to be installed into multiple fleets of, of, of cars or trucks, and then you schedule these people to drive out, install the GPS, and then you come back on Monday and you're like, okay, great. Out of the 50 that I scheduled, all 50 should be completed except not how it works. Some mm. of the GPSs are broken. Some don't work right. right. You got your director asking you why these didn't get completed. They have a quota to meet. Sales people are, are upset. Um, yeah, it was a little bit of an interesting ride for me at that moment. Okay. But I was happy because I was in something different that allowed me to um, progress myself. But also I was making a little bit more money than I was sitting at 176. Yeah. And you were starting to get a really wide scope of business. Like yeah. you were getting right from like, I mean, post sale, but you saw the sales, you had to interact with the salespeople all the way through the fulfillment, which is like the pressure. Yeah. I, I think is something that um, makes or breaks a lot of people. Yeah. I think early on that being my first job out of, out of college in that state mm -hmm. working in that business um, wasn't built for me right away, but that wasn't going to stop me from doing something mm. different. That was going to allow me to get better at whatever it was that was meant for me at the time. So you're doing that in Waltham, and then mm -hmm. how how do you track to end up at service now? Like, what's filling that gap? Yeah, so I, I leave um, that tracking company. So in full disclosure, I got hired at a specific company, and there was a merger that was happening before the GPS tracking company. I worked for the alternative company oh. that was merging. Okay. Which, um, you know, I didn't know at the time, unfortunately, which is okay. Yeah, it's part of the... Part of the gig because yeah. it was happening regardless yeah. um but it was a way different business at that time so that that kind of um made me feel a little um uneasy and so i said okay well i'll go look for a different different gig and so i, I got into what's called i worked for a company called boston heart diagnostics yep and they are a, a blood testing company that helps people um understand their charting and they do a little bit more of a comprehensive panel than most doctors at the time did to understand your heart health and I was big into fitness at the time anyways. I yeah. was like, okay, this is great. I'm interested in people getting healthy. Um, so my job was to make sure that um, all the reporting and all the people that got their blood work done, that all these, I worked closely with different medical organizations to make sure that these were fulfilled, they were tracked right, they were categorized correctly so that their patients could get the right and accurate results. Okay. It's an interesting it was an interesting job for me because it was kind of like customer success meets customer service meets closing out the sale. Yeah, like almost project management. A little bit in that manner, but more of just like, hey, you're, you're responsible for the Northeast. You have to make sure that these people and these uh, medical um, blood draw organizations have completed and done everything correctly and that these people can get their results. And so I had patients calling me directly, but also I had organizations. I had to call mm. organizations to make sure that oh. everything was completed. Yeah. I had a great manager at the time. 
she was awesome. Her name was Tammy. Tammy, if you're listening to this, shout out to Tammy. Um, she really taught me a lot about business and interacting with people and how relationships matter. Mm-hmm. Mm. No matter what your job is. Because if you're working in a role where people are calling you for something that's not always a, the best thing, uh, they expect you still to care. And I think that is when I had maybe a, a turning point about like, okay, maybe sales is fun because I worked a lot with the sales reps too at the heart yeah. diagnostics company. So you felt like that was like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a seminal moment of like going from transactional to like, okay, this is like, I can play a longer game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, at the time people, cool. people said to me like, Hey, you seem like you're good with people. Why not do sales? And I think there was a bit of self self doubt yeah. for me. Um, because that is a big step for someone who's never done it. Right. It like is. anything that feels new, it's uncomfortable in the beginning and then you get settled and you're like, wow, like and I should have never done it. Myself. And it's got a weird sales has a weird moniker around it. Right. It's the used car salesman. There's like a yeah. stereotype of it in general. Um, so that motivated you to flip and get into biz dev. Yeah. So what ended up happening was, um, you know, making X amount of dollars at the client, um, services company pretty much with Boston Heart. I said, okay, my buddy, one of my good friends was like, hey, I'm moving into sales. Uh, I'm going to go work for this tech company. They're right in Mulro. It's yeah, so right, d- right down the road. Right down the street. Yes. Yeah. So I said, all right. Uh, and he's like, why don't you throw a resume in and see what happens? I put my resume in, get a phone call from the hiring manager. I'm looking at a LinkedIn. I'm like, barely know what LinkedIn is, right? Totally different world. Yep. And then uh, I have to do an interview. I pass the phone screen. And then I had to do a role play mm. to see if I'm, I'm qualified. That's yeah, fun. which is which is awkward, right? That's and fun, fun at the same time. But I nailed the role play, got hired. That's when my career in tech kind of started. And that's, I think, wow. um, yeah, I learned so much in that first job. Were you working out here? Were you like in the office out near Marlboro? Yeah, I was living in Hudson. I was at oh, my, you were still in Hudson. I was okay, at my cool. mom's. Thank right. goodness she kept me on the ho- in the house for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, right. Right. She taught me a nice lesson. I was still mm-hmm. paying a little bit of rent, which was good, just to you know get into the emotion of yes. it. And yeah, I had a seven era, like a ten minute commute. It was awesome. No, that's, that's pretty awesome. I just laughed because uh, when you were there. I was working in that building over here, which people could see if they're watching the video of this, and then also near the rink. So we definitely cross paths. We must. You know, have. like you would have, we would have walked by each other. So we could have walked into any of the yeah. buildings over here. Exactly. So, so it's such a small world. So you, how was your first gig in sales? And like, and like, what was your number one lesson from that Unidest experience? Um, I think if my number one lesson is, is anything you're going to get involved with, I think this is where I realized making money sounded great, but unless you didn't care about the product, it wasn't going to be a great journey. Oh, cool. And mm-hmm. I say that because to be honest, I, I chased the coin yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Because That's I, why you took that job. I never had it. Yeah. yeah. So I think I always wanted to make sure I was, I think what success at the time looked like for me was having enormous amounts of money. Yes. Being able to buy the things you want, yes. using it as a vehicle to, to continue to move forward. And so for me, I said, okay, if, if I can do this job successfully, then I'll, I'll be good at it. The problem was is that I had to learn a technology that I had zero interest in. Mm. And it just provided a paycheck for me. However, my drive and will that I learned from sports was what was progressing me in that in that area. We had to make, I think, something like, a hundred phone calls a day. We had to uh, hit a quota of like twenty eight opportunities a month. It was it was really difficult. Yeah. But I learned a ton from my manager, from 
the VP of worldwide sales sat right behind me. He was hearing every call I made. I mean, it's uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. But it's, uh, you know, I think you learn a lot when that happens to you. Like being uncomfortable and getting comfortable being that way really helps, I think, people move in a different direction. Also, in an office environment, it's very interesting. I, I like hearing you share that story, like gives me flashbacks to when I first started doing it. And it's like, it's one thing to be, you know, when you go through the job search process as like a college kid and you're like making calls from like your, I don't know, your living room that you grew up in and no one's around, you're like, I hope I didn't sound like an idiot. And now you're doing that for a living in front of other people. I remember like the angst that comes with that. Yeah, it's it's really uncomfortable. And I had an open floor plan. It wasn't like same, I'm, I'm in a same. cubicle. Um, it was like a wide desk with multiple uh, I've been in there, right? There was like the wavy desk or whatever. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been in yeah. toward that facility, yeah. And they gave us a good, um, you know, environment and they provided us with like all the things we need to be successful, but it was, uh, it was a grind, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was getting in at seven 30, leaving at six o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, waiting for your coworkers to get up first before you left. Yes. Um, don't want to be the, yeah. Don't, not the first person to, to, to leave and, and the la and the last person to, you know, again, like you don't want to be the last person to come into the office. Yeah. It was a grind. And mm -hmm. I liked it though. I think like that looking back on it now, I remember not loving it, but it taught me so much. Mm being in that environment and, mm -hmm. and wanting to be the best. That's just how I'm built, I think. Like, I want to never, um, I always want to give my best effort with whatever yeah. I do. Did you make the move to ServiceNow from there because of the product? I left because the company got acquired That's by right. a company called Citrix That's at right. the time. And uh, unfortunately, I was part of the layoff. Okay, okay. So Christmas rolls around and... Yeah, Merry Christmas. Hey, uh, you're not working for us anymore. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this really stinks, and that's unfortunate. And so, you know, the first call I make is to my father. He's down in Florida at the time. I fly myself down there with him, and, you know, I get to see him for a bit. But yeah. the job search continued, and uh, I got a referral from a friend of mine, and um, his, his now wife is working at the company. And uh, I floated my resume over to her. She gave it to a manager. They called me. I had an interview over the weekend, had one more interview the following week, got a phone call the week after that. And I remember it's like, yeah, it's a good company. They're doing well. It's called ServiceNow. They sell some type of IT service management solution. It seems like it's, it's really making some noise in the market. I'm like, I don't care. Like, like right. is it a good fit? Does right. It seem I like need I, a job. Are they hiring people? Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to one of the, the directors at the time, and he's like, yeah, we have we have a ton of leads. He's like, the problem is we don't have people to keep up with them. I'm Whoa. like, me and and coming from Unidesk, right. it was more of an educational pitch. Yeah, it was cold calling. It was it was cold calling, educating someone first, and then earning the right and the opportunity to speak mm. to someone further. Wow, complete difference. Yeah. Oh my God! Overnight. Uh, were you impressed by the way that you did the interview over the weekend? Did that strike you at the time? Honestly, I think I just owe it to my network of like. Yeah, people in my in in my support system that are willing to help me. Yes, right. I think uh, being honest and open that you need help sometimes is, mm -hmm. is a, it's a completely different story. But I I was okay with saying, and he knew one of my friends knew what happened to me at Unidesk, and so, um, and it was an unfortunate event. Great for the people who founded it and and, and did yeah. it, but 
yeah, I think for me, it was more of just like, hey, I, I need help. Yeah. And I wasn't on LinkedIn like, hey, if you know someone or right. know somebody, it was more of just like. Well, things have changed too. Now that's the broadcasting move. But I, you know what I think is an awesome point is, you know, and I'm in the business of recruiting, as you can imagine. If I needed a new job, I would use a recruiter. But like when people call me and they ask for advice on new jobs, use your network. 100%. Like that's the best way to find a job by far, by far. It's, it's got qualification in and of itself. Totally. I think your network says a lot about, um, you know, the people who support you and, yeah. and who's involved and, you know, who's willing to help. And, you know, it's a good gut check. I think also people underestimate their network. They have more of a network than they even realize. Yeah, I, I would I would certainly agree with that. And I think being at a, I just remember at that time in my life being like, I haven't made it yet. And, yeah. And I, you know, still don't feel that way to a degree, but oh, I yeah. do. And yeah. Yeah, I just was was searching for something good, and I just remember being like, "Yeah, we have plenty of leads," and I'm like, "Sign me up! I can't wait." Dude, that's so. It's. Do you understand the irony though of like chasing the stable job, and then now you're in sales, cutting your teeth? It's like it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think now that I know where I'm at, like if you had asked me ten years ago or even five years ago, like, and tell me where I'd be currently, yeah, I would say you're full of shit. Yeah, like I'm like, there's yeah. no way I'm doing this right now. And so, uh, but life takes us in so many different directions. And I think for me, it's like, I'm so fortunate. I feel so grateful to be where I'm at at this juncture in my life and being afforded the opportunities of, of things that I never thought I would have mm. and people I would meet. Mm. And yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's many of the same people at the same company that drove the same passion to bring where we're at as an organization today. Um, forward and, and to beyond. It's like we all had the same mindset. It felt like at the time. That's so cool. So so you you're now in a sales enablement role, right? I Essent am essentially. Yep. Yeah. Correct. And you know I don't have a ton of experience with sales enablement just because we don't have that term, so to speak, in in our industry as like a uh, as its own role. But can you explain what you what your role is and what like what you bring to the service now every day? What you're responsible for yeah so you know we didn't have any sales enablement at the time when there was when there's sales and yeah. sales enablement's responsibility and role in my opinion is to make sure that um you understand the product you understand how this product makes the company go around how it generates revenue but also uh how to build confidence in the people that you hire mm. like how do i articulate this product to someone who's never heard about it before and confidently speak about it so that someone wants to become more interested to do to, to buy it yeah. so that it makes you know everyone's lives easier and fortunately the product that we provide makes people's lives easier yeah and i get to see it firsthand in so many different ways however my sole responsibility is i'm basically a coach yeah which translated huh. from sports That's wild right and I coached, again, young kids, and there's so many similarities between coaching because I was in management for a little bit at ServiceNow. Okay. And I love the coaching aspect yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to skip over that. You, okay. you were sales, sales management, and then into sales enablement? Yeah, inside sales, inside sales manager, and then I rolled into uh, enablement at a time supporting the East Coast okay, cool. for ServiceNow, and that was cool. our inside sales org, um, and there was a need for that because we were hiring a ton of people, like nonstop. Mm. Yeah. The problem was is there's a funnel that starts to happen. People want to get promoted, and you got to make sure those people are ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, our management organization, they did a good job, and they all tried to do the best. They wore many hats like yeah. everyone does at a company. Yeah. Especially a small, growing company. 
not small, but a fast-growing company. You're wearing so many hats. Yeah, 2,262 people when I joined at ServiceNow. Wow. Versus the 24,000 people I think are there now. Damn. Yeah. So it's, cool. It's, um, it's been, again, such a journey. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point about... 10x. Wow. I knew nothing what that yeah. meant to me at yeah. the time. And I yeah. never knew where we would go. But, um, you know, great leadership and, and driving that ship to a place where, you know, no one knew. That's very cool. Big accident. Very cool. So you're so you're doing the sales name. And I know, like, today your job is, as you said, coaching. When were you coaching? Second, third, fourth, and fifth graders, I think you... Yeah. Like, wh- when were you doing that? That was in the year of 2004. 15 to probably 2019. So like at Unidesk at the beginning of your service now yeah. career. Cause I was living in this area. Yeah, and yeah. So it was so funny because one of the people from Boston heart called me and said, Hey, I heard you were a really good basketball player in high school. I said, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, why do you ask? He's like, well, my son is in the second grade and he's playing in rec league for Hudson. And um, I want to see if you want to help coach. Cool. And I was like, course what a cold call I not know. a cold call but what a call i knew of the person in the or- yeah. organization and yeah. he was he was you know still a cool ask yeah successful person a super nice guy but i had i had chatted with him prior to but he had never asked me and then i think he maybe he put two and two together at some point um and called and i said uh, he didn't know a ton about basketball but he's really interested in helping his son cool. and i said yeah of course I, I would love to come help out so every tuesday wednesday and saturday I'm in the gym. I get to blow the whistle. Yep. I get to watch kids run around in 900 different directions. Yes. Um, but again, like watching someone get better mm. was was like the best thing for me. It was it was so fun to watch people see something and a light bulb go off. Yeah. And then they say, "Wow, I didn't think I could do that, but now I can." And they say thank you with their eyes. Sometimes, you yeah, know. it's, it's yeah. It, I mean, at times there's a lot of things that are thankless jobs. Yes. And, and it's not even the thank you. I think most of us are looking for. It's more of just like knowing that you had a hand in helping someone just get better so that they're living something that's that they never thought they would have or, or be better at something they never thought they would be better at. Did you find I'm going to guess that some of your inside sales management time overlapped or was it around that time based on the time? Yeah. It's what did you take from coaching you sports into the business world? Was there anything that you were like, damn, I got to be doing this? Yeah, there's a ton of parallels. I think um, slowing down and really hearing where people are at and recognizing where people are at because everyone's on a different journey. As opposed to assuming where you think they are, you mean? Yeah, Yeah. as opposed to like running some regimented um, routine or game plan. Yeah. It's more like, okay, well, I recognize that, that this individual is a really good dribbler. And this person's a really good shooter. And this person is really good at um, setting screens and picks. Like, everyone's got a job, right? It's like the Bill Belichick mentality. Yes, yes. You know, do your job, understand your role, and be good at it, and then put people in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think I took the same mentality. I recognized where these kids were at, at their skill level, and I hopefully put them in a position to lead and to win. Mm-hmm. And the same way is when I met people where they were at, at ServiceNow, when I was managing inside sellers. Yeah. Confidence is low. It's a tough job. You're banging the phones. You want to make a lot of money. You want to. Yeah, you're chasing the dream. You know, not everyone's gonna, not going to make it. Yeah, you know, you're working at the time. No one knew it was going to be a massive company, but you're working yeah. for a pretty good company and everyone's kind of getting paid. And so, yeah, you got to meet people where they're at. And my job is to remove obstacles and 
watch people get promoted and get better. Mm. Like, and it's the same thing with, with sports. Like, remove obstacles and let someone do what they're capable of doing. Do you, um, when you made the transition from individual contributor to sales leader, what was the biggest challenge? Responsibility. I think recognizing that it's now not just about you, it's about everyone else, including you. And you're the representative of all of those people mm. at, a, at a different level. Yeah. But you strike me as a guy who handles responsibility well. Like, do you mean like responsibility in that or do you mean getting results through others? I think results, to, I, I think my responsibility was to make sure everyone succeeded. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like you felt like you needed, okay. You took it personally when you had people that didn't do well. Yeah, I yeah. just want to make everyone better. But, yeah. I, but I think the, the irony in that is, is, is the quality of the person you, you hire. Yeah. Right? And, I, and, and that is like, you know, your ideal candidate profile or whatever mm -hmm. that might yeah. be for some folks. Uh, drive is something that you can't really measure in grit, in will. But again, um, using sports as the analogy, there's so many parallels there. Like I saw yeah. it in sports and the people that succeeded the the most were the people who said, I hate losing. I'll do whatever it takes to win. Mm. And that, if we can all do that as a team and I can individually contribute, well, we're going to, we're going to go somewhere. We're actually yeah. going to get somewhere. It's so interesting. You said, I felt that as well. I felt that times also the hero complex came out where you're like, you wanted to save everyone and you had to learn the tough lesson that like, nope, some people just aren't good fits for the job. Um, I struggle with that. Did you struggle with that at all? Like the, like the, you wanted, you wanted it more than them at times. Yeah. Cause I think I saw the opportunity that I wasn't afforded right away. Yeah. And we're hiring people maybe out of college or some people that like came from something other than, you know, what was technology. And I was starting to realize at this time, like how, how great our company was mm. and the opportunity of like the grass isn't always greener on the other side, just because you're not putting forth your best effort. What I also learned was how to have really difficult conversations. That in itself, oh, yeah. really good managing people, kind of being like a part-time therapist. <laughs> Sometimes full-time. At times, yeah, it definitely yeah. was. And I yeah. think um, I learned a lot about having difficult conversations, not only at work. Even it helped me translate to my personal life. Um, you know, cr giving feedback and constructive criticism. And you know, how would I want to receive it if I was? in that position, right? Like mm -hmm. thinking about yourself first a little bit, but also like how that translates to others and everyone has a different learning, right. learning ability. So, and not everyone's built the same way you are. So understanding that is, is different. Right. Uh, that's uh, really cool to hear because I, I do think that oftentimes we um, get obsessed with what the job or the career um, is going to do for us financially. or And like so many of the benefits are actually what it does for your personal development, professional, but also your personal development. I, I feel the same. I, you know, one of my favorite podcasters is Rogan, obviously, maybe not obviously, but you know, you know me. So probably obviously. And, uh, I, there's one thing he always says where he's like, man, we were designed to just go rotten cubicles all day. Like that sucks. And I always sit there and I go, Oh man, I wish he knew that like sales is sport in the business world. And that like, Oh my God, you, you're not sitting in the cubicle rotting all day. You are just sharpening your skill set every single day. Yeah, it might not be f physically draining. Exactly, exactly. Mentally, though, coming in and knowing that, hey, I have to call people that are going to probably tell me no if they pick up 
nine times out of 10. Or to F myself <laughs> daily. <laughs> yeah, like you're just trying, you know, you're just, uh, you know, the same person on the same hamster wheel. Yes. Calling the same people, trying yes. to make a difference for a company that you have no idea what sells yet. 100%. It's so it's such a grind. It, although what I'd love to ask you too, because I know you are still uh, a big fitness guy. We talked about that a little bit. Like how have you, the same way that like coaching you sports, I'm guess you shared how did the effect on the business world. How does like your uh, what you do outside of work, fitness related, have parallels to what you do today, or do you draw from any of that in what you do today? Is what I actually want to ask. Yeah, I think if you were to talk to my company, everyone knows I'm like the golf guy. Yeah, which okay, is so, which is so funny because after love that after college, you know, I wasn't going to play professional basketball, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and. I had to understand that my, my life was going to take a different direction and I had to find a, a real job. But I wanted to pursue sports still. I'm in a men's basketball league. I try to stay active that way. I love going to my gym. I take up boxing. But I love golf. Mm -hmm. Golf is something that allows me to still compete at a high level because there are tournaments, and you know this, yeah. Mass Ams, yeah. and things that I still want to pursue in my career that allow me to be at a level that I still feel like is high. Yeah. And Agreed. no matter what and competitive. I competitive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No matter what I do, I don't ever want to forfeit the competitiveness. Mm. I think that is something that is lost in a lot of it's lost in translation at a lot of different places yeah. in this world. Yeah. But being competitive, I think, makes the world go round. And being competitive in in sales and in sports you know, you really get to see people shine and then you also get to see people's character when they don't. Mm -hmm. And that tells a lot on the yeah. golf course. If yeah. you see me break down and I'm upset yeah. and I throw my club 95 yards mm -hmm. to the right, mm -hmm. well, maybe that person doesn't handle rejection so well. Right. Versus someone who chunks the ball five yards in front of them, gets back up to the ball again and yeah. chips it in the hole right. for an eagle. Laughs it off, right. And they're like, see, that's how life goes. Mm. So so through golf more than, the, than like through other fitness endeavors, you feel like they're... That's where you draw more of your parallels today. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because cool. I, I think you You're know. Just saying that because I love golf. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm so glad that you love to compete in yeah, golf. I, yes. I think you yeah. know. But the day you invited me to come play golf in that tournament with you, yeah. right? I, I had a couple different thoughts. I was like, okay, I know your handicap. I'm like, yeah. all right, I, I hope I can show up. For, yeah, for you right. and for the team, right? Yes. It's like almost like a first impression. It is. How do I show up and contribute and add value mm. so that I'm not someone who's just, you know, riding off the coattails of, of mm -hmm. Mark and Brennan and, yeah. you know, and I didn't want that to be something. So I wanted to make sure that my competitive nature showed up in a healthy way yep. to add value to our group. Mm -hmm. And I th hopefully did that. And I think, you know, the outcome is that it's either you win or you lose. Right. And I didn't want to not ever forfeit the opportunity to win from the start. Right. I love that. And and half of it was preparation, right? Like when I hear about that, I hear about the mindset and like how you do, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but uh, the quote of how you do anything is how you do everything. Which is such a, which is such a good one. It's like such a meaning. It, it, it Golf could have been such a joke that day. And it kind of, I mean, it could have easily been, right? It could have just been a couple guys effing around. But like I, like I do approach stuff 99% of the time the exact same way. Yeah. Even coaching my kids hockey practice. I'm like, well, there's a practice plan. But there's like, there's, there's 40 kids relying on me. <laughs> I can yeah. go wing it or I can give it my best. 100%. And there's, you know, in, in this world, there's 
winners and there's yes. people who, who lose. And right. I think, you know, that's what makes it so eventful and fun is is to feel that winning. And I think you also learn a ton from losing. Yes. The same way at, at being a sales enablement coach, I hammer people all the time on like role plays and I make sure it's challenging and difficult because failing forward yeah. in an environment that allows you to do so will create consistency and confidence to nail the meeting or opportunity when you when the opportunity arises. Yes. Same thing with with sports and when you're practicing and when you're ready to you know know that you're going to duff the ball at some point today. Yeah. But it's okay because I know that I drive the ball 300 yards straight. Yeah. And I'll figure it out later. Yeah. The iter the iteration piece is such a it's actually a word I've been pondering kind of recently is like it's one thing to fail and just kind of try again. It's another thing to be like when I'm trying again, how am I doing? Like, am I trying it the same way? And if I am, like, am I really trying? Right? And it's so small and, and like, minute, but, like, I'm guessing when you're coaching in a role play and you're making it challenging and you're talking about people failing forward, I know from human nature you have reps that are trying and giving it their all. But then you have the reps that's trying it and giving their all, but they're constantly trying things in a different way, just nuanced and better, and they're pushing themselves more than you could really push them. You can foster the opportunity, but they're iterating. 100%. Yeah. It's like, I, I, it's so funny because like you saying that made it go off for me again, but it's what I've been looking for like the last couple of months while I've been coaching people. It's like, oh yeah, man, like I can help you certainly try again and fail forward, but like, are you trying to do it a little differently or are you just trying to hope that the process takes care of you yeah and, and candidly i think you know when we are in a place where we're at now at service now we are making sure that we're hiring people who are driven and who are we say the word nines and tens yeah because our ceo wants nines and tens working for the organization and as he should and the people that i see excel are the people who are willing to just have that grit the grind the will to want to be better. They take constructive criticism. They work with it. Mm. They're not offended. Yeah. They just say, okay, someone who's been here before me knows a little bit of the lay of the land, and that person might not be the end-all, be-all, but I'm going to go find other people. Right. And I'm going to ask for that constructive criticism. I'm going to want to make myself the best candidate I can so that not only can I succeed, service now is going to succeed. Yeah. We're all going to succeed together because, you know, when the tide rises, the boats come with it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. What, um, when you were driving here today on the podcast, thinking about your career and, or our relationship, was there anything you were like, man, I hope we talk about this topic? I think the one thing I want to get across just doing this podcast is how important, um, I think having, uh, having drive is mm. and, and not, you know, it's not a pun because I was, you know, I'm driving on the way. <laughs> I know. It's right? just like, you know, the irony, but I think, um, you know, when I think back about what success looks like and how it looks for others and, and how maybe people determine it, I think, you know, it's easy because I sit in a box in my industry yeah. that I knew nothing about years ago. Yeah. Like a shot in the dark, complete left field for me, mm -hmm. super uncomfortable in the beginning. And then to be where I'm at now, I think one thing besides having the drive is also being willing to take the step to do something that's really uncomfortable in the mm -hmm. beginning. I've been put in a few uncomfortable positions as of late. One of those being speaking at a conference and having imposter oh, yes, right. syndrome. Yes. I, I remember saying to myself, am I really fit for this? Yeah. Like, like, am I just fooling myself? And, you know, but I did it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I was uncomfortable. I'm a, the toughest critic on myself. I know that for sure. I, right. I hate the way I introduced myself. Like, yeah. 
I pick myself apart. And no one else noticed, but you're just grinding yourself to pieces. I get it. Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and again, candidly, um, you know, this is an area for me that's that's a first. And I think, you know, but having the opportunity and someone else believing in me, whether it was you and Brendan saying, I think this guy would be great on the, on the podcast or whatever, like that self-doubt comes and creeps in a little bit. It does. But redirecting that to opportunity is life-changing. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't take that opportunity when I doubted myself about coming over to service now, not a shot I'd be here. Yeah. It's a, it's it's an interesting dichotomy though because, um, like getting to know you as I have you're like you're a humble guy like a humble grateful guy and you've referenced to me before like great managers great mentors along the way, um, and we don't get there without great leaders and mentors and managers it, it's impossible but at the same time, uh, it's funny I, I went through an experience here, where a longtime mentor left. And I was like, fuck, like this is like, like a, like a real fork in the road decision. And I remember another person who I think really highly of here was like, like, like reflecting on your success. Like, where did that come from? And I was like, given them a lot of street credit. And he goes like, but, but Mark, who read the books? Who did the work? He's like, you're always in control of your own career. And it's just like this weird dichotomy where when I think of drive, I often go, I guess I have a lot of drive, but I don't think of myself that way because you're always trying to just suck information from other people. But in reality, you are in control of 100% of your own destiny. It's a, it's a very weird, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm articulating myself particularly well, but it's a, it's a, it's a juxtaposition in my own like gut. Yeah, and I think the point about leadership is so important. Like who was there before me, yes. who believed in me, I've been fortunate, again, for as long as I've been at service now, we have some really great leadership. There are, like, I could name 10 people off of my hand right now that I think are responsible for my success at service now. Yeah. Um, and some of them I'm still really close with today uh, at the organization. Some have left the organization, yeah. and I'm still I'm still close with. But uh, it's the, you know, inward, looking inward and understanding how you can get better and then asking and soliciting for that feedback. Mm. I did that today. I had a quarterly growth conversation today with my boss. Yeah. And one of the first questions I asked him was, hey, you know, what can I be doing better to help drive our company's mission and what we're looking to, to be better at? Like, how can I be better? And, mm. You know, and he always knows that I'm that type of person. But I think rarely people, you know, will want to ask that because it's always about like, oh. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. And some people don't want to hear it. And I want it. I want yeah. it here because the more I cover, the more yes. I can can complete, the more well, well-rounded I'll become. Mm. And I'm hearing it from multiple people. And it's like, okay, great. Well, now I can make myself a better candidate, a better employee, yeah. a better person at home maybe, right? Yeah. Um, when I hear you say that, I hear you saying, I put myself purposely outside of my comfort zone because I know that that's where it's going to help. I try to. Yeah. I think that's something I, I really... At, at this phase of my career, I look at it and like, and I don't know why, but it's like a 30 year career type thing, but it's like the first 10 years are, are learning for me. Yeah. The second 10 hopefully will be where I can give back. Yes. And the last 10 will be somewhere where I can um, hopefully see, you know, success, but also give back and learn who I am as an employer, as yeah. a worker, and then yeah. really believe in myself. Yeah. So I like that. It, it's. I like that. For me, it makes sense. I don't know why 30 years. I mean, hopefully it's less. I hopefully hit yeah. a break, but. Right. Although um, sometimes nowadays I'm like, I don't know. Like I see my dad and mom retired and they're happy doing their thing. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. 
like, I'm going to need to do something with my brain other than golf. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because being an enablement has allowed me to feel like I work and I make a difference. And I'm very, uh, you know, again, I, I get a lot of different opportunities, but it doesn't feel like work all the time. Yeah, it's and fun. It's different. It's fun. Every day yeah. is different with people. You get to interact with people. You get to see people get better. You get to be involved with leadership, at least at my level. Mm-hmm. And it's fun, and you yeah. get to see it at you know you get to see success like come in so many different ways, and um, and I've met so many great people like along this journey that I, I would have never met. Yeah, I mean success at this point in my life is like enjoying Monday, you know. Like if you if you enjoy Monday and you can't wait to go home, like I got a good family, so that part I'm very yeah. fortunate about. But if you also look forward to going to work, like that kind of kicks ass. It's like a, it's a very Gary V. It is a very yeah. Gary V. comment. You're right, and I, I will admit. Gary Vee and I share the same birthday, actually. But uh, I'm a, I am a big Gary Vee fan. What advice, though, as we... I have always thought this podcast would be great for people during career transitions, but also specifically, like, high school, college age folks thinking about what they want to do. Like, what advice would you give to the recent college grad, to the recent high school grad, thinking about trying to earn some cash and make it in the real world? I think the first thing I want to say is like, if I'd say believe in yourself as someone who doesn't, although you don't know anything maybe in the business world, quote unquote, I think you taking that first step says a lot about you. And yeah. I think being someone who's accepting of constructive criticism and who can be humble when it, it may be tough to, to be humble says a lot. I think if, if, if you want to be someone who wants to be successful in this world, then, you know, it starts with yourself. Mm. And I think you have to be willing to take that step and you just never know where the career is going to take you. But if you don't, you know, it's like the Michael Jordan quote, yeah. you know, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots, you know, you don't take. Yeah. And I think you have to take the shot even when it's really uncomfortable. So I would say I'm knowing myself when I graduated college, all I wanted to do was find a job. And some people have really great, Schools that allow yeah. people to transition that. Same. I unfortunately didn't. Same. But if you're able to do that and you're willing to put yourself out there and receive criticism and get better through trial and error, then I think you're going to be really successful because that just tells a lot about your character and, and what you're willing to go through. Yeah. I, I, I think that's wonderful advice because not only are you talking about believing in yourself, but you're talking about, hey, figure out who you are. Like figure or, out or who try. You are. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the same person I was when I was 100 20 years old. 100 percent. Totally different now, but yeah. um, you know, at the time, I like to think I believed in myself to a degree. Yeah. And uh, some other people saw what maybe I didn't see in me, mm-hmm. but at least I put myself in a position, a lens for others to view me differently. Yeah, and which is why you're having fun now because you're giving that back. I love it. I yeah. think If I can continue to. Um, make this world a better place with people, whether it's on a small level or a larger level, then I'm you're doing it. I'm super happy. Yeah. Like I said, I always chase the money, I think early on. And now when I'm in a place where I see success happening for others. Yeah. And I think it's fine to chase money early on because a, you need it and B that's how you kind of figure out who you are to a degree too. Like once you start making money, you go, well, this is getting old. How do I also do more? You know, there's a, there's a, uh, at our, my favorite little breakfast spot in town, there's a Pablo Picasso quote on the wall that I always make my kids look at. And I'm like, it says the purpose of life is figuring out your gift and the meaning of life is giving it away. Yeah, I, I 
It's would, like, I would echo that. Right. Think, it's like, yeah. whoa. That, that, when you were saying that, that's all I could think of. It's like, Nick is saying this, you know? <laughs> well, well, the money, right? Like I mentioned earlier on, was great, but it, it, it's a byproduct of when you do something you actually enjoy doing, that stuff follows. Mm -hmm. I, I believe in that. I think it's something, and that's something I, I didn't believe in. Yes. Until I got to a place where, oh, wow, like I really like what I'm doing. I'm making a difference. I think, I hope, mm -hmm. you know, the company values that. And, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, love it. And, well, uh, yeah, I can tell you're an awesome coach. I try um, And you're having fun, which is half the battle of coaching. So, I, but, uh, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This has been great, you know, as my first podcast. So ah, this is, we could ask for a better host. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate it. And uh, well, this will be a release shortly, and uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to do it again and get an update sometime. Yeah, maybe on the golf course. I love it. Nick, pleasure, man. Mark, thank thanks. you so much. Appreciate it.